right now sitting in this place are the first you know, people you know of in your family to get married and do it the right way? How many of you are the first ones to go to college? How many of you here are the first ones to dedicate your life to church and being faithful to the Lord? This is a place of world changers and history makers. I know there's a lot of people, I'm just, I just have to say this because I'm so disgusted oftentimes with the church. There is a, um, a tell-all documentary coming out now about Hillsong, one of the churches that I used to love in the late 90s and early 2000s. Sadly, they got caught up in things over the years, and like many, popularity became their God, and now they're going to tell all, and we already know about some of the, 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 the hype ministers that were falling and failing and things behind the scenes. And I don't know how ugly it's going to make the church look, but we need to pray for Hillsong and big ministries like this because the devil's mad at what the church can accomplish. And he'll get them to compromise, he'll get them to sin, and then your neighbor, who doesn't know us, who doesn't recognize Chicago for Jesus or legacy and so forth, they're going to think we're them. They're going to think, oh, well, you know, so-and-so from this church cheated on uh, his wife at the ladies of the church. I bet your pastor will do the same. And they have no idea that over 20-plus years in ministry, without a spot or blemish on my integrity, that that has been a gift of God that I give to the church so that when you drink of this stream, it's pure by God's grace, not full of lust. And yet I have to explain why another person would do this and even in a greater way, according to the world with greater numbers, and pollute the stream of God with their own lust and defilement. That breaks my heart because God had a destiny for that man. I'm thinking of Carl Lentz. I'll just name the name. I'm in that mood today. Amen. And, and, and we just need to pray because even just in, in our city, we've seen some of the greatest men and women of God fall. We see them fall when they're in ministry like pastors, as I've just mentioned. We've also seen Christian businessmen and women begin to get divorced. I mean, even child molestation, pedophilia in the Duggars family, 18 kids, 19 kids and counting. I mean, where is a safe place? Where is the word of God being lived out? Where is this? Where can you trust this? Listen, I don't expect the world to believe everything I say here today. I understand they're going to doubt. A talking snake? I mean, that's how the book starts, right? Uh, waters parting, you know, a sea parting, you know, these signs, I don't expect them to believe it, but by God's grace, I want them to know I believe it. I want them to know I believe it. Hey, if you don't believe it, I understand. You've got your issues. You've got to go through your own steps. I was 18 years old, a high school dropout, had no uh, plan that day, November 5th, of asking Jesus into my heart. But my mother prayed me into that kitchen room that day. And at the kitchen table, I met Jesus. I believe it. I believe it. And if you don't, I understand. You have questions. You have doubts. That's what I spent my life doing. Honestly, I don't see many pastors doing it. And I thank God for those who do. It's a remnant, of course. I'm not the only one. But I spend my life trying to answer the problems. 
the problem of evil and the problem of pain by Epicurus, the problem of the philosophical of the one and the many. Look these up. These are all philosophical issues. The problem with induction from David Hume. I mean, I study these things, and I understand that after we've worked it through and we've been all deep that we can, everyone's going to go back into their own places and believe whatever really their heart believes. Because I don't think this is a mind issue. I think it's a heart issue. Are you listening to me? And the world needs to know in our hearts we believe this. That we believe that God is among us and that he's moving. They may not, but I believe that. I believe that at 11 o'clock at night when I've picked one of these Hulu or Netflix shows because I thought it looked cool and all of a sudden I am staring at a woman's chest because I didn't take the proper time to understand what kind of show this was. It was an action sci-fi, but now I'm seeing nudity. It matters at that time what I do. Wife is asleep. Kids are in bed. Mike's not in my hand. And it's only a woman's chest. See, God cares about what I do. And you see, I told you this from the very beginning. You got to want to get the devil out. If you want to see God come in, I mean, it's old school, but it's the right school. Are you listening? You want, you want Jesus in the schools. Get the devil out. And our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the principalities who put mindsets in us. Stop telling the children they've come from the goo through the zoo to you and start telling them they're made in the image of God and you'll stop seeing children act like animals. Start teaching them to pray towards their creator and ask them to pray for the blessings of this creation. And you'll see them begin to love each other as they love themselves. Get the devil out of the... Uh, you know, the, the presidency, the Congress, all of these political places. Get the devil out and we'll have a fair and balanced economy and government and judicial system. And yet we want to, you know, think that we're not in a spiritual battle because we're so sophisticated. No, the devil is speaking to Supreme Court justices. The devil is speaking to congressmen. The devil is speaking to governors and, and mayors. And he's not speaking with the, the lisp of a serpent and having red horns and a pitchfork. He is speaking just as he has always spoke, even when he was in the form of a serpent. And he says these deadly words, Has God said, Charles Darwin, all he had was a Bible college degree and was under, wanting to understand the way things worked. He was there traveling the world, visited the Galapagos Islands, and he began to see the, the beaks of the finches of these beautiful birds. And he began to realize that the, the beaks of those birds that eat the soft fruit and the part that they want the most is in the middle were long. But those that had to eat the nuts or the harder fruit began to be more stubby and strong. From there, he said, you came from a rock so many billion years ago. <laughs> Seriously. He saw the micro changes of living organisms, but he heard a thought in his head. Did God really say he made these animals? 
And then he began to propagate something that has been used all over the world to try to deny our soul, to deny our purpose and meaning. I don't know where it first started. Some people have conspiracies. You can look at the sons of God mating with the, uh, the daughters of men in the Bible. They're called the Nephilim. It's a, it's a wild part of our Old Testament story. But at some point, a man lusted after another man in a sexual way. At some point, a woman lusted after a woman in a lustful way. And they found some kind of pleasure in this deviancy. And that pleasure meant to them it was right. Has God said, man and woman make a marriage? Did God really mean what he said? And now today we have people arguing this and, you know, sophisticated ways, trying to find whether or not our DNA lends towards some having same-sex attractions. And now there's the debate among psychologists and psychiatrists, is it even mentally healthy to tell someone that they, they, they need to be straight or at least be celibate if they have homosexual desires? But what does it come back down to? It's a spiritual battle, is it not? Is it not a spiritual battle? Am I a madman raving here or speaking the word of God? Come on, I'm asking you a question. I mean, am I a madman? Have I lost my mind? The word of God is true, is it not? And the devil's attacking it. And yet here we are in the 21st century on the eve of what could possibly be World War III. At least that's what the media wants to make it out for, for ratings. They would be excited to have that happen. Russia and Ukraine. Inflation going high as the sky because we decided to put off everybody for what uh, amounts to a flu. We've lost all of our ability to produce and to, to give what people need in this culture. We're fighting like dogs and cats over the crumbs right now. Housing market, as I was in the, the looking of a house, 20 30% building supplies, 20 30 40%, 50% used cars. Uh, everybody seems to be fighting for the same scraps. And yet, here we are asking God once again to bless this nation. Can I tell you today that he will not bless the nation without a blessed people? He does not bless dirt. He doesn't just say, I'm going to bless this piece of carpet, or I'm going to bless that building downtown, those real big ones that we like. He brings his blessing through his blessed people. When you and I pray the prayer, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the earth he's talking about. He's talking about you carrying the glory of God to every place you go. Every place. Every place is spiritual. Every place has a purpose. Getting your haircut, carrying the glory of God there. The one giving the haircut, cutting for the glory of God. The one who sweeps up the hair after it's done for the glory of God. From the baker to the candlestick maker, to the one working in customer service, to our police officers, to our teachers. God wants the glory. God wants us to make room for him. Today's message, he must increase. I must decrease. If the mayor wants to have a successful meritorial time in office, she must let Jesus increase and she must decrease. 
If we want to see success in what we are doing, we must let Jesus increase and the world decrease. I've said this many times before, and it's, it's, it's good to say now. Sometimes people think these kinds of messages, oh, they're just shallow prosperity messages. We've heard these things before. I don't know what you've heard before, but I know in this church we always teach it with balance. So I want to be very clear before I get into this message. Just because you have more doesn't mean you have more of Jesus. So there are people like Bill Gates that are going to hell without Jesus, and they have more. And pray for Elon Musk because God is doing something in his heart. God is bringing Christians around Elon Musk at this time. Wouldn't it be awesome to see the richest man in the world get saved in front of everybody? Let's put it this way. If God did something in Kanye's life, he can do it in Elon's life, right? Amen? But listen, look at their lives. When I talk about more, I'm not just talking about more stuff. I'm not just talking about more things because Elon will tell you the despair and the emptiness of more things without more meaning in life. Bill Gates and Melinda Gates having their divorce. Trump, who we as conservatives were happy to vote for as compared to voting for a genocidal maniac like Hillary Clinton, right? But he himself probably going to bust hell wide open unless he truly repents on his third and fourth marriage. Baby mama's everywhere. And they're still baby mamas, even if you got a billion dollars. I don't care. They're still a baby mama. You know what I'm saying? And you're drunk, even if you get drunk off a $1,000 scotch, you are drunk. Are you listening to me? Whether you're like the one on the corner, you're still a drunk. I want to be, I want to be very honest with you. And you are a pervert. Even if you have the money to be able to have sex with all of the movies, you're still a pervert. Are you listening? Somehow we think these people with money have changed the game. You have not changed anything. Just because you paint it up and make it look different than what we continually see in our average lives doesn't mean it's any less wicked or a stench to God. And so we see that in the world, they pursue these things, and their mindset is, I've got to increase, and you've got to decrease. That's the way they make money. That's the way they do things. We have terms for it, dog-eat-dog world. We have these ideas that might is right. All things are fair and love and war or love and business. Don't take it personal. I'm just stepping on you to get to the top. And yet you look at people who are at the top. How do they look to you? Do they look like they have more of God to you? No, they look like they're cross-eyed, buck teeth, stressed out, like that crazy cat you've ever seen in a meme. That's how you look like to me at the top. Elon Musk doesn't look like he's holding down life to me. Look at his former girlfriends. Look at what's going on inside that dude's head. He has more faith that we are in an Aliens video game than that we came from God. You know you've smoked too much weed with Joe Rogan when you think that's a good idea. Seriously, he's there talking to people in front of millions of online viewers talking about, I think the best chance that we have to figuring this out is that we are in a virtual world. You have a man like Bill Gates, depending on what conspiracy you believe about him, he may be an alien uh, poisoning us all, as some believe, with the vaccine. Or he's just an ignoramus hypocrite. He believes we go back to dust. He's so smart. He's an atheist, which the Bible calls a fool. And he spends his whole life giving away money so that he can fix bacteria. My friends, if there's no God, we're bacteria. 
Are you listening? Seriously, think about it. What are we? Have you ever seen The Matrix? Watch some sci-fi. It will help you understand. The first episode of The Matrix, the AI is speaking to him. And uh, what's his name? The African-American. Morpheus. Speaking to Morpheus and saying, "You're you're a virus. You're a vaccine. You smell. You stink. Have you seen humans before? Have you seen what we do? We eat one way. It goes out the other way. We take everything and consume it for our own. So we're a bacteria. So a man claiming that he's smarter than us all believes that his job on this planet is to help bacteria win over another bacteria. At some point, that bacteria has a heat death, evaporates, and starts over again in an oscillating universe. A big inflation or deflation to a big inflation. The universe expands. Uh, it, the universe contracts, then it expands over billions of years. This is what it is. You want to see the greatest that science has given us? Think about a, an accordion. This is what the universe is doing. That's what we've come down to. Purposeless, meaningless, and that's our guy. That's our guy. Go to Bill Gates. He knows something. Bring him in. Have him talk to the president. Let's ask Oprah Winfrey what she thinks about marriage and family. Is she married? No. Does she have a family? No. But we go to her for advice. This is the world we live in. Seriously, and young people the same way. What what idol can you pop up in this generation to follow for their 10 years of fame before they die and implode and are replaced by the next one? Biggie, Tupac, gone. And all the boomers go, I see, I told you about that rap. Elvis, gone. John Lennon, gone. The world has taught us one thing. If you don't get it, you'll get it now. You lose in the end. You lose. You lose it all. Well, I live for my family. I don't have time for that God stuff. You're a fool. You as bacteria lose your bacteria called family in the end as your bacteria goes back to the dust to become more bacteria. That's all you live for? They're precious. They're better than a lot of other things. I get that. They're better than fishing and fish. They're better than dollars and gold, so I understand that. But bacteria, nonetheless, spreaders of their germs and viruses and their DNA. Are you listening to me? Is that all life is? My family, my family. My legacy will be this great building here. My legacy will be what I do for this company. Ten years from now, everything you have done will be forgotten. How many of you have ever walked into your company, gone to a university, drove on a city street, and have no idea who that is? Lane Tech. Who in the world is Lane? I don't know him. Are you listening to me? You don't know these people. You don't know why these streets are named the way they are. Those plaques that you see kids skateboard on. One of my favorite places to skateboard was on a big statue downtown. I didn't give a rip who that dude was. Are you listening to me? And you do enough bad things to a people 100 years later, they'll tear down and urinate on that statue. One man's hero is another man's villain. There's your legacy being slapped and urinated on on CBS News. 
<laughs> it's funny when you look at it that way. The Bible says it's the foolish way. The, the wisest man in all of Scripture wrote a book called Ecclesiastes so that we would laugh at ourselves just as we're laughing now. It's all meaningless, he said. It is, it is. If you think about it, it's all meaningless. And yet, utilitarianism, or if I could say it right, to be utilizing your strength for the best effort, also pragmaticism, says we're happier if we're not in jail. So make sure you temper your pleasures in a way that your society doesn't uh, stop you, and then you can at least live your best life. If you like sex, do it the, the way the law allows you to do it. If you're in Nevada, you can go as far as prostitution. In Chicago, not so much, but maybe you can get an escort. You like drugs, go to the places that you can do your illegal drugs where they're legal there. You like to be a little bit lax in your business principles, go to some of these other countries where the government likes to get paid on the side and they'll let you get away with more. Don't like your competition, put them in a trunk and threaten them. Hello, Latin America. I want to retire and move to Latin America. Make sure you get a high-gated fence. Seriously, I was in Chilapa, Mexico with a dear sister in the Lord spending time there right outside of Nayarit. It was beautiful, but I saw right downtown, right next to the place where everything looked really nice and quaint, a building with high-gated walls. <laughs> it was the biggest, nicest house in the village. Anybody ever been to a village like Chilapa? Who lives there? You don't want to know, Pastor. You don't want to know how they're making their money. Pay off the police on the side. Keep those high walls. Mess with them. You find yourself somewhere out there in the, in the desert tied in a trunk. Happening all over the world. Happens in America but in different rooms, doesn't it? Deals are being made and brokered all the time. Behind our backs for their own benefit. Squashing the little person. What's your legacy if it's not God? It's all a waste of time, isn't it? And so we're going to get into the book of John, and I just want to challenge you as we get ready to read these scriptures, that you and I would have the passion of John the Baptist, who we know, looking ahead of the story, is going to give his life for Jesus. And he teaches us here what it means to really live, what it means to have a legacy. Today's message is, he must increase, I must decrease. Starting in John chapter 3, verse 22, after this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Jesus had just been with Nicodemus, now he's doing some baptisms. Verse 23, now John was also baptizing in Anon near Salem because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This is awesome. They're co-laboring together. Their paths have now met. John came before Christ in the the earthly sense, Christ comes before in his divine sense, but in his incarnation, he came at a certain time. But John had already been before him. That's why John is called a forerunner. Now Jesus is on the earth. John has recognized him as the Messiah, the one he was a forerunner for, the one that he opened up the act. He's the starter, Jesus is. And now they're both doing ministry together. Verse 25, an argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. Remember, they're doing the full dunk. They're doing full immersion baptism. At that time, the Jews just did certain washings of certain parts of their body. They get into an argument, and then 
they totally change what was the context of the argument, as people do, and they just make it personal now against John. So think about this. A Jew is upset with John's disciples. Those disciples are arguing back and forth, and then they came to John and said, these people that were arguing with his disciples come to him and go, hey, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing, and everyone's going to him. So forget the argument. I'm just going to try to make you feel bad about yourself. I'm going to try to make you feel about how small uh, you know feel bad about how small you are, how insignificant you are. Now I want you to see and highlight this, please, in verse 27. How John replies: This is the first key to your success today from the message. To this, John replied, "Thank you. A person can only receive what is given them from heaven." John replies back, I am not jealous of Jesus because I can only do that which he, Jesus, has told me to do. When you look at your life, your contentment is going to be key to your happiness. You need to be able to look at the successes of others when you then look at yourself and say, I am not their master nor their God, and I'm not responsible for them. I can only do what God has given me to do. As I drive past many churches that are much bigger than this on my way here this morning, I have to understand Joe can only receive a podium the size of the one that God gives me. Now, does that take away personal responsibility so that I just lay on my couch, show up here on Sundays, and say, whatever it is, is whatever it is? No, I got to get out and work. I got to put my effort in to what God has for me so that I can achieve what he's given me. In other words, walk worthy of my calling. The Bible talks about this. Whenever the Bible talks about us being successful, it uses illustrations like managers having bags of gold, needing to multiply them. The Bible talks about farmers going to sow seeds. There's no place in the Bible where we're given a parable or an illustration from, from Jesus when it talks about success that it doesn't involve work wisdom and integrity. Are you listening? Those components all go together. you got to be hardworking. You've got to have wisdom, and then you've got to have integrity. But notice that John, at the base level, settles it in his heart that I can only receive what God has given me. Because at the end of the day, as hard as I might work for this church to grow faster than what it is growing, if I am truly trusting Jesus and I am co-laboring with Jesus and I am carrying the yoke of Jesus, which is not heavy but is light, brings peace to my soul, if I am co-laboring with him, at the end of the day, I can only have what he has for me. I started off my marriage wanting 12 children. At around six right now, we're deciding if that was a God idea or if that was just something we came up with to have fun because <laughs> we do have a lot of practice to make them. Are you listening? But our goal was 12. Is that a God idea or was that just something we came up with? Because I can only have as many as God gives me, right? And now we're looking towards adoption. And that's why I was praying that before because I know that as beautiful as adoption is, many people get into it and they have to go through trials and tests with the children and with the parents and with the uh, government to make it official. And we ought not to take that lightly. But we have to strive to do it. Amen? We think about our finances 
And of course, I mean, we all want to do more, to have more, to give more. Think about that. We want to do more. We don't just want money handed to us, right? No one here just wants money handed to you. So you want to do more. You really do. And that doesn't just mean working more hours because a billionaire doesn't work more hours than us, but they do more in what they produce in wisdom and in understanding, right? So we want to do more having ideas, operational ideas, inventive ideas, um, service ideas. We want to be able to do more, to have something that others really need to, to have what we're doing. We want them to, to appreciate it so we can do more for them and have it multiply, compound itself. But it's not just the doing because we want a reward. We want to do more so that we can have more, right? We want to have more. That in and of itself is not greed, having more. Aren't you happy you have more clothes in your closet uh, than, than someone who's homeless today? But the last part is key to understanding the doing and the having. Now to give more. I do more. To have more. To give more. Not to us for and no more, but to the whole world for sure. <laughs> I just kept that rhyme going. <laughs> you all were so serious with me there. I know it's a serious message, but it's okay to smile in church. I do more to have more so I can give more, not to just us four, but to the whole world for sure. That's what I need to understand. My purpose is I want to have more. I want to have more so that I can give more. If anybody today is going to make a million dollars off the next inventive idea, Jesus, pick me because I'll give away more than, them, than the one that's fighting against me right now. If someone's going to make a billion dollars off Spanx, I pray it's you because I believe you'll give more than what she did. If someone's going to become the next, the next network star, I pray it's you, not Oprah or Ellen, because you'll give more of the truth. Do more to have more to give more. I pray the next music star isn't what we're seeing now. I pray it's you because you'll sing better lyrics to give away more love and, and, and truth to the people, right? I pray that the next one who displaces this phone as the iPhone displaced the Motorola phone, I pray that the next one who does it gives more than Steve Jobs and Cook did all combined. Somebody's going to do it. Somebody is going to receive something from God as a talent or a way to do something. What they do with that now will be their responsibility and it will be their judgment. As you can see on the back of this shirt that we have got for Mardi Gras, it talks about the Son of Man coming and rewarding those who have done the right things with what he has given them or punishing those who have done the wrong things. Now, some might say, is that a salvation by works? No, it's not. We're saved by grace through faith. And ultimately, the unbeliever is going to hell because they didn't believe. It's not because they didn't stack up enough good works. But on Judgment Day, faith will have fruit. Are you listening to me? Faith will have fruit, and there will be rewards from that fruit. Unbelief will have consequences of negative fruit, sinful actions, and those will be punished. So you are not just a person of faith without fruit. Fruit always follows faith. And you will not be an unbeliever without there being sin following your life. Something will begin to be exposed, and you will see yourself before you face judgment, because God will do it in your conscience to show you that you have deserved his judgment. 
In other words, no one goes to hell by accident. On Judgment Day, every person that I've ever preached to that tries to pretend they don't get what I'm saying is going to have it so exposed in their face that there will be no more argument. Anybody ever watch the uh, show on Dateline, How to Catch a Predator? i got to tell on myself right now, but I I binged watch those. I think my children would call it uh, satisfying. You know, it's so satisfying to watch the bad guys finally get caught. Isn't that good? Because you see bad guys going around in the world not getting caught. They should have one like how to catch a crooked politician. They should do those stings with politicians. Show them taking deals under the table, getting arrested one by one, coming out the door. Hi, I'm Chris Hansen of Dateline. But this is what I noticed as a pastor because as a pastor, believe it or not, as strong as I preach here, I have continually erred on the side of grace. I have sat down with people as God is my witness. My wife has sniffed them out like a detective's hound and already knows them front, back, and you know, upside and down. But I'm still like, I'm not sure. I'm not, let's give it another chance. I don't know. Some of you are like me. Some of you are like my wife, right? We make good teams. And so in these different meetings, I have erred on the side of grace only for the future to show that it was much worse than what I ever suspected. And so now I've learned to trust my wife in those areas. She's over the counseling. Amen? When she begins to get the stories coming in, she connects the dots. She begins to start making the judgments towards our pastoral leaders and says, do this and see what happens. Do this. Poke here and see what happens. Ask this question and see what happens. It's beautiful. I love it. And I just sit here on Sundays, hug you, and say, you guys are going to make it or you'll do awesome. I believe in you. You can do this. (laughs) And I mean that too because I'm thinking the best. But it wasn't until I watched Chris Hansen on How to Catch a Predator that I just began to understand, boy, oh, boy, people can lie. And, man, they can lie good. They can lie with tears. People can lie straight-faced. People can lie putting things on their job, their mama. I'm a fireman. I just rescued somebody from a burning building. I have not come here to have intimate relationships with this 14-year-old. I've come to teach her about sexual education, says the 45-year-old man. And then Chris Hansen. I always loved it when he did this. Well, that's not what these emails say. I would like to blankety blank, blank, blank with blankety blank all night long. Is that you? Did you write that? Is this a picture of you? Looks like it. And then what I always love for these stings, what they would say is uh, to these adults, they would always, you know, posing as the minors, these people doing the sting, would just so there's no doubt that when they make these charges, they stick. They would tell the pedophile, bring these things. Bring the whipped cream. Bring the condoms. Bring the magazine. Bring this. Bring that. And then come to my house with it. And Chris Hansen would always say, what's in your bag? Oh, this is dinner for the night. This is my meal. Now let me see that bag. And they pull out the very things. You're caught. And you see, we talk to people all the time. And they say, no, this is, this is all that God has for me. I've done all that I'm supposed to do. This is where I'm supposed to be. And this is where you're supposed to accept me. And yet we can look at the word of God and say, you are a liar. God has given you so much more than that. 
You see, John the Baptist knew that Jesus had a greater ministry than him, but he still had a ministry himself to do. And as long as he was content in doing that, he was going to get blessed and rewarded for that. Jesus said of John the Baptist that there's nobody greater that's been born of a woman. He said that John the Baptist was amazing. All John the Baptist then had to do was accept what God told him to do, work at it with all of his heart, and he would see the blessing in his life. Where does his blessings eventually lead him? To martyrdom. Because sometimes bad things happen to good people. But how many know they still couldn't kill his spirit and they couldn't take his reward and his legacy, as I point to this again as an example, will live on because he invested into the things of God's kingdom. So in other words, even when things go wrong for good people, we know their father filtered and that all things work together for those who have been called according to the purpose of God. Imagine these stories here. Imagine two people going to high school together. Then they both feel like they want to be engineers, and they go to U of I together, and they begin to start their careers at the same company. One of them becomes a Christian and starts asking God to bless all that they do. The other one just steps on people to go to the top. At some point on the project that they're working on, they're dealing with information that is patented. They know that they ought to give credit to the one who designed it. But this patent is so old, they researched the person has died. It was never really used. They have the chance to get away with it. If they simply design it this way, put it into their design this way, no one would think to check about this key component they borrowed from somebody else. Imagine at this time the Christian engineer saying, I must object. I have to walk away. I cannot do this. Let's say they pat him on the head and put him on a different project. He feels satisfied that he has done the right thing. But he hears over time in the coming months and years that this project actually made the company tens and tens of millions of dollars and that his friend, the one that he was with, has now received a portion of the profits. Am I talking to people in the real world today? At some point, him and his friend meet up together and they begin to share life. He talks about how he fights with his wife to keep it all together in a changing economy. Him and his wife have to always cut corners, shop at discount stores, but praise God they're making it. The under other individual talks about all the beautiful things that he's buying. He's on his second home. He's on his second marriage. The other wife couldn't keep up with his lifestyle. And all of these worldly things are tracking with this gentleman. Are you with, listening to me today? Are you with me? Who wins in the end? See, the Christian looks like on the outside they lost. You stupid Christian. You stood up for something righteous and you lost. You didn't get the new home. You didn't get the bonus. You didn't get the proceeds of the profits. You lost, Christian. But how many know this is just the introduction to the life that is to come? How many know there's a world to come and rewards to come that are going to last a lot longer than these things on this earth? 
You see, John the Baptist could have compromised, as we'll learn later on in the story, he gets martyred because he could have compromised, but he decided to stand on righteousness. And it looks like at some point he lost compared to the Jews of that day who continually compromised, made friends with the wicked Roman government, and yet they could claim, just like John could, we're just doing what God gave us to do. God wants us to make these relationships. God wants us to have ends with the mayors. God, God has favored us with these people. And so you have to ask yourself, will I be content with what Jesus gave me? I'm not saying that in every situation it's going to be that clear to decide your path. But you have to decide on your path of success in life that you will only go after that which God has given you. If he wanted that man to have the tens of millions of dollars, he would have given him the idea to do so in the capacity of keeping the law without losing his integrity. Because the other man chose those things and cost, that cost him his integrity, he will now pay in the end. And you might say to yourself, you mean God actually intends some of us to be wealthy and others to be not? Yes. God is not a socialist. Read throughout the Bible. I know it seems unfair, but God is working together a tapestry of the artwork he decided. And so, yes, I've talked to my dad about this as I've watched the Shark Tank. And I go, Dad, you seem so much smarter and so much nicer than Mr. Wonderful. But, Dad, I've never seen your business grow more than a few million dollars over the years. Why, this man has hundreds of millions of dollars. Does God love him more? No, God gave Mr. Wonderful the ability to do that, whether or not he cheated along the ways between him and God. But let us not just say every sinner that has money has cheated along the way. Let's say, honestly, there are sinners that have been given these things, just like there are Christians. There are some of us here that are male. Others of us are female. Some of us are tall. Some of us are short. Some of us are from America. Some of us are from other nations. All of these things are father-filtered. All of us are born in the 21st century where we don't use our hands for toilet paper. There were others born in the 1600s. What would you rather be, a prince of the 1600s without air conditioning using your hands as toilet paper or be born into an average family in the 21st century? You're living as a king. Go, go down there to, to all these. You live better than the kings did of the uh, Middle Ages. Are you listening to me? You've got your teeth. You smell good. So we're all placed in different parts of human society and culture by the Lord's will. What are we going to do with it? John the Baptist said a person can only receive what is given them from heaven. He says, you yourself can testify that I said I'm not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. So he's clearly saying here, I'm okay with this. Now listen to the way he talks about Jesus, please. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The church, the Christians, that's what we are. The bridegroom is Jesus. The friend, people who are like in the ministry, the friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, is now complete. He must become greater. I must become what? Less. Would you highlight that for me, please? I'm going to get ready to close up, but I want you to hear this. The next secret of success that you and I must have, and I've already hit on it quite a bit, but I'll say it now in its own point, is that he must become greater and we become less. If we're going to do what God has called us to do and take our life serious and want to be successful at it, 
we have got to see that Jesus is the primary focus. I watch these different shows, and I can see what is their primary focus. I wish I could remember one, and if I probably ask you guys, might be able to help me, but she is a blondie from California, married to a man, and they would renovate houses. It's on Hulu. They just got a divorce. Something Christina. Tarek, thank you. Tarek, and they had a reality show. And I also watched the Gaines reality show. What are their first names of the Gaineses? Joanna and Chip. Watch the difference. You know, Jesus told parables. I ask you to go home and binge watch Netflix. <laughs> Pray for me. Here's my parable. Go watch Netflix. Go watch a show, one show, half hour, pastor says so. You deserve it. Take, take a break. This is what I watch during my lunch hour, okay? This is, it attaches me to the real world, so I'm not living in the bubble of the church, okay? Oh, people build things out there. They don't just sit in an office and do this all day and write and answer emails and try to put out relational fires, okay? People build stuff in the real world. They put on a hard hat and a hammer. There they are. I'm serious. What you do for a job, I will binge watch. I have binge watched every kind of occupation you can possibly imagine. I watched an entire series on a woman's makeup line before. I think her name was Hubba or something. She's like a wannabe Kardashian. I binge watched the whole thing, and I was intrigued. I'm like, oh, don't go with that eyeliner, girl. No, no, go with this one. You're going to, the market, we've already learned. We went through this before, girl. We learned from the market. You don't do that. You don't do that shade. That shade's out. So 2020. you got to get this new one. Seriously, I watch it, and I'm so intrigued. Like, oh, my goodness, people make makeup, and they make money, and they travel around the world. People, I watched the whole thing about fashion shows and these things. Of course, you got to guard your heart, but I just watch what the world does and what many of you do, you know, and it's just intriguing to me. I watch what lawyers do. I, watch, I just watch this. So just, just watch 30 minutes of Tariq's show, whatever this one's called. Someone just find it for me, whatever her show was called, versus the Gaines show. See, the Gaines, Chip and Joanna Gaines are Christian. And you see, before the divorce of this other couple, you could see a difference. And of course, people can fake it. But you see a difference in the way this couple gets along, the gains, as compared to the other. What's the name of that show? No one's found it yet? We're looking. What's one? Flip or Flop? I don't think that's one of them that I've binge watched, but that's not that one. Here, I should get some. This is a commercial, right? Whenever you guys find it, let me know because the world can see the difference. The vanity, the fakeness, the superficiality of the man. It is flip or flop. Let's give it up for this young lady right here. You won. You win. And then what's the Johanna Gaines show called? Fixer Upper. There you go. Watch an episode of Fixer Flop, Fixer Upper, take notes, and tell me which one has a happy marriage. Tell me which one is doing more to make more to give more. And I will challenge you now to look at your life and ask yourself, can the people of your world see the difference? Who are you in your neighborhood and community? Who are you to your family and friends? Who are you even to this church? Are you Jimmy, you'll take all you can give me, or have you come here to become less, that Jesus can become greater? We have watched, literally, and I could call up our leaders to testify, we have watched people in this church Cry out to heaven for a new job. Cry out to heaven for finances. Cry out to heaven for a house to have as their own. And then we ask them to have a life group. They get offended and leave the church.
They prayed for the job with us. They prayed for the house with us. They believed, God, that this was for a purpose. And then when we said, hey, the life group you're in, the house you've been going to has been growing so fast, and you're right in the same neighborhood, it would be awesome if you opened up your home. Oh, oh, uh, 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 we're, we're not ready yet. Uh, that's a lie. That Friday night party you had said you were quite ready. Are you ready to have the Friday barbecue and party, but you can't have the life group? Trust me, the church people will bring into your house a lot more trustworthy than Cousin Flacco. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Oh, 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 oh but, 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 but I don't know enough about the Bible yet. Whose fault is that? <laughs> have it in your house, and maybe now you'll take it more serious. And then I hear people talk to me like this. We're not into volunteerism. We're into disciple making. It's a partnership. But literally, I've had people tell me, oh, man, this church asked me to do such and such. I'm so tired of that church. I'm so tired. What did they ask you to do? I just want to know that they ask you to come in the middle of the night and, and sheet the roof with shingles. Did they ask you to dig the plumbing for the church? Oh, no, they just asked me to greet people at the front door. That stupid church. Oh, my God, they asked me to volunteer for the kids' ministry that I've been bringing my children to faithfully the last three years. They asked me to volunteer. How dare them? Stupid, stupid church. Oh, my goodness. This is the world we live in. We have more, but we do less. You have a car that brought you here. You did not ride on a horse. You should want to do something now that you got here. Move your body. Shake, shake that thing your mama gave you and get down and do something for Jesus. Amen? Shake the cobwebs off. I'm not talking getting nasty. I'm just saying get down and do something for Jesus. Your holy backside is the biggest it's ever been. Now you can't do nothing for Jesus. My mom from the suburbs dropped it like it was hot and picked up weeds at the church all day long. Well, I got kids. She had me. You know what she said? You skateboard, I pick up weeds. I should have said, I'll help you pick up weeds. But the little sinner that I was, oh, I'm skateboarding. My mom, oh, she drops like the hot one more time. And I'm just like, oh, man, I can't get the kickflip. What's wrong with me, man? Life is so hard. My mom out in the hot sun, just for you, Jesus, every week, just for you. You're going to drop it like it's hot for something. Are you listening to me? You're gonna, you, everybody's going to move their body for something today. You're going to move your body over here to do this. You're going to move your body. Why don't you move your body and go do something for Jesus? Why don't you become less and he become greater? Why don't you move every part of you for Jesus today? Amen. Vinny, would you come, please? We're going to edit out the shake your booty part because some people just won't understand where I was going with that. that. That will definitely come back on CBS next time the mayor doesn't like me. This church, man, they're just nasty and dirty. It's so crazy how they do that. They always try to make us out to be nasty and dirty. While we were preaching, they take the microphones out of our hands, replace them with vulgar items, all of these things, and then they call us the nasty ones. You know, I have a pure heart. When I'm saying move your body, I'm talking about do it for the Lord. Put work in. It's going to take work. Your gluteus maximus, your biceps, your triceps, your feet. The Bible says blessed are your feet. Their feet of peace was meant to put in work for Jesus. If, if I can do something today to help you, 
that I am not doing, let me know. That's what all of us should say. What can I do to serve you? How can I make your life easier? Sometimes then people come up to me and they're like, well, I want you to do this. Come to my birthday party. Talk to this person. I can't do that for everybody. I can send one of our disciples to go, but know that I'm going to somebody's birthday party talking about Jesus. I can't go to everybody's birthday party. You understand that? Some of the people that come, I'm just being honest with you, don't have more than three or four friends, and then you ask me to be your best friend in life and get upset when I can't do it, and I'm trying to have two or 300 friends. I brought you to a church by God's grace for you to make more friends. Are you listening to me? I can't be friends at your birthday party with two or 300 people. People left our church early on because of that, because at first it was in our house, and then we would have the barbecue after the service, and we would do all this, and then people were like, Joe, you're cool, you're fun to be with. And then when I couldn't return their call and I couldn't go to the party, they began to get upset with me. So then I made a rule. I said, I won't make any promises about that because I don't want to disappoint you. But what I can promise is, is that, you know, if you're friendly, you'll make friends, and you'll have friends in this church. And you'll begin to develop relationships like how I've developed relationships, and you'll keep doing that until Jesus comes back. And everybody who's followed that proverb, never comes back and says, I have a problem with friends. It's everybody who wants to sit down and talk with me and, and, and make me their best friend as their Jesus. I'm not your Savior. Jesus is. But listen, this is what I want to say in saying all of that. That's like the little asterisk with the fine print below. This is what I want to say. If there's anything I'm doing that I'm not doing, let me know. Like, do you need more books as a church? There's 20 out there. Do you need more? I mean that honestly. Sometimes some of you tag me into your Facebook posts. Uh, someone, someone in the, I think, goes to this church or is a friend of someone in this church because I, I saw a lot of common friends. Tag me in a post where someone says, won't she do it again? She's a good God. One of the people that used to come to our school now believes God, the Holy Spirit, is a female spirit. And one of the people, I believe, from this church or our friends tagged me in it. I had the opportunity, put some Greek and Hebrew in there and blew that thing up in Jesus' name. Can I do more of that for you? Let me know. We've dealt with issues here in the church where we've had people come out of witchcraft and different things, and they start to mess with some of our folks. So I'll go online for three or four hours and just have mega long uh, online things where we'll talk to everybody and anybody. During those times, I talk to Vikings. I talk to people who offer up their, their period as blood sacrifice. You want to talk about the things that I've been through as a pastor? I'll go down in that situation with you. Are you listening? One of our businesses was messed with. I went down and stood in front of it and preached the gospel there. Proud of that business. Still proud of Nini's. Amen. We got your back. I just, I'm not trying to boast. I'm just saying, what else can I do? Let me know. Everything that we do is done through elders and deacons. You want more, and we can't do it today. This is what I say. Become an elder or a deacon in our process of discipleship, and we'll send you out to do it. And that's not just talk. That's happening right now. People are having Bible studies and ministries and different things online because they have been trained and sent out to do it. I want you to ask your life group leader that same exact question, though. If you got to put an asterisk and say, yeah, but my, my schedule's this way, my kids need to be picked up this way, that's fine because you're going to have an asterisk, too. Come on, can I hear an amen to that? How many know all of y'all who have ever said to me, Pastor, just let me know if you need anything. There's an asterisk next to that. Oh, come on, man. You better play a little bit louder because they're sleeping right now. I've had so many people, Pastor, if you need anything, just, just let me know. I need you not to have sex with your girlfriend. Oh, man, that's too much. Seriously. It's, it, I've had people come to me, shake my hand, say, hey, I'm Mr. Big Bucks. 
I'll do whatever you need around here. And what they're thinking is, asterisk, I'll just give money and look good so I can have a prominent place. But what I want them to do is stop having sex with their girlfriend and taking pictures of stewardess showing them to me. That's how it goes. You know people do that with me? Could you imagine sitting down with the pastor showing him a picture of a stewardess saying, this is what I like. I just say, dude, put that away. I'm married. You're wrong, you know. My pastor, I'll do anything for you. Okay, what I need you to do is show up to your life group, come early, stay late, and love on people and change the world that way. Right? Oh, pastor, I, man, I'm here if you need me, man. I'm here with you need me. Okay, well, then dress like an Eskimo and go out with Juan on Mondays because those dudes have been going out in below freezing weather with Jason to preach the gospel on Chicago and stay. Okay, so we all know we put an asterisk towards, hey, I'm here if you need anything, but this is what I want you to do. I want you to ask it. Even if there's a biblical asterisk, you got to take care of your family. You got to be where, you know, you got to be on your job. But really, go to your life group leader this week. Go to people in your life. Now, what can I do? And then start to apply that at your job. Well, they're going to give me more to do. Then outwork them, outperform them, and then get more check than them. And if you don't get paid more there, use all of that experience to put in a two-week notice to get paid more over there because somebody will recognize that. Go to somebody on your job and say, I just want to serve. I want to make this company greater than my own need here for a paycheck. I want to make this church greater than just me needing a place to bring my family on Sundays. I want to make this family greater than just a place where I needed someone to make me feel loved. You see, we have to go through our lives and say, something's got to get greater, and I've got to become less, and that thing is God's plan everywhere I go. Amen? Let's stand up together. Can you give it up for Jesus today? Are you glad you came to church? Come on. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for a purpose. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? We're going to close out in prayer as we get ready to do so. If you don't know Jesus, I'm going to pray for you right now, and then you can pray on your own. Father, I ask that if anyone here doesn't yet know you, they're not yet born again, I pray they repent of their sins right now and come to you. If you don't know Jesus personally, ask him to be the Lord of your life. Just in prayer, say, Father, I ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Start to confess your sins. And right now, confess that you're going to go all the way with him. Say, I.